So it's wonderful to be back with you. If you don't know, I, um, I just got back from Rome, and from we, I, my community and I spent two weeks uh, in three different places in Italy. It was a wonderful time. We spent about a week in Assisi in Rome, and then we spent our last week down on the Amalfi Coast, which is both, it's kind of like the big destination spot of Italy. It's a beautiful coastline, but it's also home to the two apostles are buried there. St. Andrew uh, and St. Matthew, just a little bit down in Salerno. And so we said Mass on the tombs of the apostles is amazing. I pray for you all every single day. I know you didn't do the same, and so I judged you, but I still came back. Uh, One last, and then just one other thing I wanted to share with you. I'm sure you noticed we have new vestments. So we had a generous, anonymous benefactor who said we need new vestments at Lourdes, and so I was able to bring back a set of vestments, both chasubles for the priest and dalmatics for the deacon. And so we have new vestments in every major color of the liturgy, which is beautiful. So a great gift. Freaked out customs. They were like, they're like, what do you got in the bag? I'm like, vestments. <laughs> and the guy was like, what are vestments? I'm like, better if you don't know. <laughs> But I had to explain to him. So on to our liturgy for today. When I was in college, uh, I was an accounting major. And one of my professors, probably my favorite professor, he knew that college kids, you get so anxious about exams. And so for every exam he gave, on the front page, he would put a far side cartoon just to give you a laugh before you got destroyed by his exam. And my favorite one, I think, there were two really good ones, but one of them was uh, it had all these people in an office, and they were all celebrating. They had party hats on, and they had, I don't know what they're called, but you know those are like kazoo things, and like the paper tube like blows out. And they're all celebrating, and the caption said, Accountants Celebrate Fiscal New Year. And I know you don't think that's funny, but I love it. The reason I bring that up is today, you probably don't know this, today is New Year's Day. I don't know if you're aware of that. Today is New Year's Day, which means you didn't stay up last night, and so you missed your big opportunity. But today is today is the new year for the church. And today I want to reflect with you, brothers and sisters, about how we should allow God's time to give meaning to our lives, right? The the world celebrates the new year on January 1st, and it's somewhat arbitrary. I don't really know why they chose that date. I think it has something to do with the winter solstice, but that's not New Year's for us. Today is New Year's Day. Today we begin the season of Advent, and it's a new year. Today our readings change. So all through this past year, we were in year A, and the church has three cycles of readings. So they just correspond to the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So year A is Matthew. In this past year, we've been reading through the gospel of Matthew. Today, we start year B, and so we're reading from the gospel of St. Mark. And so you'll hear Mark dominantly this year. And I encourage you, a great thing to do you should read the Gospel of Mark. 
You should be reading with the church. You should read the Gospel of Mark from start to finish. It's 16 chapters. If you read it at an average pace, it would take you about a half hour or less. So you should do that. So today is New Year's Day. And I want you to think about this. The world, when we think about a new year, right, from time immemorial, mankind, when we celebrate a new year, people have always kind of gotten into some kind of revelry. They stay up late, they eat and they drink, they do things they probably shouldn't. And there's this big celebration. What does it mean for us as Christians? What does time mean? Why do we mark the passing of time? And the real question I want to ask is, is there a reason to celebrate a new year? Is there a reason to celebrate? When you're younger, I remember when I was in high school and college, my brother got this great idea. He, every year he used to rent out a, a condo up in one of the mountain towns, and he'd invite all of our friends for New Year's Eve. And he had the great idea where everyone would dress up formally. And we'd have this really formal kind of dinner party in the mountains going into New Year's Day. And it was awesome. I looked forward to it so much. It was exciting. But as time passes, I, I became a curmudgeon. And my community, I'm famous for this. I'm, I'm kind of the ghost. I always ghost from parties. I leave early. So on New Year's Eve, I never stay up. There's, sometimes there's a party I'm at and people are celebrating and I know that if I tell people I'm leaving, they won't let me go, so I ghost. I just kind of slip out the back door, and no one knows, and they get mad at me the next day. But for me, why celebrate a new year? Is there a reason to stay up till midnight and just, wow, all right, 2018. <laughs> Hope this year doesn't, you know, just totally stink. Great. <laughs> one more step, you know, towards the grave. I'm a melancholic. And you have to ask, is there a reason to celebrate? In, in Greek mythology, time, there's, uh, the main word for time in Greek is chronos. Remember the Incredibles? The island's called Kronos or Kronos. That's the Greek word for time. And in Greek mythology, time was a god. And they were saying something about time when they talked about Kronos. And what they said is that Kronos was an ancient god who ate all of his children. The Greeks were just like me, total pessimists. But the point was that time devours everything. Today's feast for Catholics, as we begin Advent, brothers and sisters, begs the question of meaning. The world no longer believes in God. And so time can actually become something meaningless, something where we lose hope. It's just one day after another. And New Year's Eve has become that for me. I don't see a reason to stay up late and celebrate the secular New Year. One more day, one more year, one thing follows another. But for Christians, time is different. Today is a new year, brothers and sisters, and the church is going to lead us every year we begin with Advent, and there's two things we look at in Advent. And today what I want to invite you to is you are different. You are not like other people. 
time for you is not meaningless. Because the modern world doesn't know how to find meaning in life, it throws itself into activity. Remember that Dave Matthews song, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, for tomorrow we die. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And the world goes through life at a rushing pace because it doesn't know what else to do because everything will end. And so people don't think about death. They don't think about the passing of time eating away what is theirs. But the church lives on hope. And here's why. Advent, we're always used to, you and I both know, Advent always looks towards Christmas. But the church looks two ways during Advent. There's two pillars of meaning that give Advent its character and they give meaning to our lives. The first one is the birth of Jesus. The second is his coming at the end of time, which is what our gospel is about today. In every Advent, the church gives us both. It wants us to look backwards to his first coming in time, to Bethlehem, and it wants us also to look forward to the day he returns. If you want to have meaning in your life, if you want to have a life that has purpose and fulfillment and joy, and it says, I'm here for a reason, I don't just rush through life seeking power and pleasure and distraction. But there is something greater. There is an ultimate fulfillment. If you want that, brothers and sisters, you have to have those two pillars. The first pillar, when we look backwards and we look to Bethlehem, and you all have to go there. Bethlehem's amazing. It's very close to Jerusalem. It's a a cool little town. It's one of the last places in Israel that has a dominant Christian population. Bethlehem tells you who you are. Meaning is connected to the question of identity. Do you ever have a period in your life, if you haven't, I promise you, you will at some point. I've had times in my life where I say, Lord, who am I? What's going on? What is life about? And one of the most helpful things when you're struggling with identity is to remember where you come from. So if you want to know who you are, you have to know where you come from. And so for me, I look back to my parents. And I look to my grandparents. And to the different people in my life who have helped make me who I am. They tell me who I am. I've given this homily, I think, twice, but remember the Lion King? Right? Some of you are new. We've grown so much, so that's my excuse for using old metaphors. I know you love the Lion King, objectively the best Disney movie ever. Remember when Mufasa, no, um, Simba, Simba forgets who he is, right? He loses his way in life. He runs off with Timon and Pumbaa, and he's lost in the jungle, and he's just enjoying life. And remember, he has that vision of his father, Mufasa, in the clouds. As I always say, Disney movies are really about Christianity, for sure. But he sees his father in the clouds, and his father says, you have forgotten me. And Simba says, how could I forget you? I love you. You're everything to me. 
And Mufasa says to his son, he says, you have forgotten who you are, and therefore you have forgotten me. If you want to know who you are, you want to know your identity, brothers and sisters, you have to know where you come from. And Christianity is born in a place called Bethlehem. So the first pillar of Advent, the first pillar of our lives is that birth of Christ. The time is not one day after another, but that God entered time and he entered your life because he loved you. When life gets hard, when, when you're suffering, when it's just one day after another, you look back to the first coming of Christ and you remember that you are loved. That you come from somewhere that you have a God who loves you, that you have an identity. You are not a nobody. You are a member of the family of God because of what happened at Bethlehem. The second pillar is the return of Christ. And this is profound. Brothers and sisters, Americans don't think about death. And not just Americans, modern men and women don't think about death. And the reason they don't is because they don't believe in God. And so they don't want to think about it. But we do. Because we do believe in God, because there is a hope, because our lives are going somewhere. There is a fulfillment, there is a redemption. And we don't just fear death, we actually hope for the return of Christ to redeem the world. Right, imagine if you're on a road trip. You ever been on a road trip? You get in a car with somebody and you say, all right, where are we going? And they say, I don't know. <laughs> but it'll be fun. And it might be fun. And that's the modern world, though. The modern world is on this trip, but it doesn't know where it's going. It has nowhere to go. It has no direction. And it might be fun on the way, but ultimately we are going nowhere. But that is not true for you. Jesus today tells us, brothers and sisters, to watch, to be awake. The Greek word is gregorete. There's my token Greek word for the day. You have to watch. You and I hope for something. Something is coming. Your life is not meaningless. It is directed towards him. And so Jesus today uses this metaphor. He says, watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, at midnight, or cockcrow, or in the morning. Now notice this. Those four times Jesus gives, those are the four watches of the night in the Roman day. And so Jesus says the time that you and I live, it's night. It's a dark time. But we stay awake and we watch. Because we know that he's coming. And so, brothers and sisters, so simply, Advent is so simple, but you're different. Do not get caught up. Every year I say it. This is a crazy time of year. I'll have to poke fun of my mother really quick. Every year my mom gets stressed about Christmas. So my Aunt Ruth, every June 25th, calls my mom and says, six months till Christmas. And she curses and hangs up the phone and whatever else. 
We get so stressed about Christmas. I know you're worried. You're like, I got to make my house look beautiful. I got to find presents for everybody. I've got to turn on that radio station that only plays Christmas music, which if I ever commit murder, it'll be someone at that station. (laughs) You're not like them, right? It's not Christmas yet. It is not Christmas. It is not Christmas. I don't care what Starbucks says. It is not Christmas. It's Advent. Your life has meaning. It is not running off a cliff, and it has two poles. The coming of Christ tells you who you are. You are a son or a daughter of God, and your life is going somewhere. It is going to redemption. And so Jesus, in this night of the world, where there is sin and darkness, where there is despair, where there's a lack of hope. Jesus, may our hearts know where we come from and may we know where we're going. Lord, may we hope and wait for your return.